0: Your responsibility is to level up and grow, to keep your foot on their neck and go to the next level. And a lot of us are even here because that happened to us at a prior level. I was walking through my neighborhood and I was like, "I'm an entrepreneur because folks don't rock with me. Mm. They find like in the workplace, I found that I wasn't getting the opportunities that I deserve. So I had to create the opportunities I deserve. I had to build the opportunities I deserve because I know I'm dope. Ain't
1: no stopping us. This-
2: Sweet talk.
1: Episode 141. Are we on the what it sounds go. like to be the, bad, the best. This is a Black Wealth Podcast. Yes. Build wealth, invest, own, and close the wealth gap. It's time to break down these financial concepts with your host, Mr. Todd Millionaire himself, Charles Oglesby, and Raphael Husband.
2: We are back. Charles is back. I am back. Sure to follow us on Twitter at TweetTalkPod, that's P-O-D. Follow myself on Twitter at WorkMyLife. Follow Charles on Twitter at Billion. I am your host, Raphael Husbands. Along with my co-host, Charles Ogsby, J.D., a.k.a. Todd Millionaire. What's going on, Charles? Not much, man. Just vibing.
0: Vibing out. Uh... You know, what's funny is sometimes when we hire out people, we forget that we got that sauce. And so you can start bringing people into the space and you forget, like, I really do this content stuff. I really create this content. I might have some people I can hire to make some posts, but ain't nobody going to bring that heat like I bring that heat. So that's the one thought that I had. And, uh, you know, just continuing to lean on stuff. Got a lot of really cool things going on right now. So just kind of trying to keep that up.
2: Hmm. So I was going to start with something else, but let's start with this tweet. Because here on Tweet Talk, we break down financial tweets and talk about building black wealth. Charles, you had a tweet where you said your boss doesn't own you and your skills. He owns your skills as they are part of the clients he brings in. If You bring your own client, you then get to leverage that skill to your benefit.
0: Yeah, um, I think I had that thought because I was just thinking about how As an employee or as a trade person, sometimes we were hesitant to do things that would use our skills as they apply to the open market, because we're like, oh, well, my job, my job, my job. But I had a thought that the only real benefit that your boss brings, I won't say the only real benefit, but a benefit that your boss brings to you is the fact that they have clients, you provide the service. You don't have to bring in the client, but if you have the ability to bring in the client, now you can use that same service to charge what you want. And so I've just been noticing that because there's a guy who I work with in Detroit, not my favorite guy in the world, but he has access to a lot of people that can help me out. So he knows plumbers, he knows all these different things. So instead of me having to call a million people, I call one person. One person mm. gets everything handled. Um, it's not ideally how I want to do it because of course things cost you more, but um, it just works. And so it makes you wonder like, why do these people work with him? Well, they bring him business or he brings them business. And so they don't necessarily have to go out there and go find it, but they still got to pay him. He's getting a cut of whatever he's charging me for. It works out for me. He gives me fair prices, specifically I'm working on a plumbing issue at the Palmerston house, which is the house that I bought when my son was born. And, uh, it had one lingering issue that was keeping it from being tenant occupied. And I'm starting not to hate tenants as much because they'd be paying again. (laughs) So shout out to tenants that are paying again and not calling me about fixing a bunch of stuff. And so um, I've been getting a lot of quotes, people giving me crazy numbers 3,000, 5,000. This guy told me 1,100 bucks, which makes sense. If I'm getting numbers that don't make sense for things that I know aren't that expensive or that difficult, it kind of frustrates me because a lot of times what these contractors will do is I'll try to make a small issue a big issue so they can charge you big bucks. Mm -hmm. And so they won't just fix the issue. They'll say, we got to overhaul the whole system. And it's always that. That's always the solution. Oh, I got to overhaul it. Um, especially when they come behind somebody else's work. or they come behind somebody else's work, if they come to you, they're immediately going to have to say they got to overhaul it just because that's their strategy. But if they come behind somebody's work, they're going to say that they'll overhaul it anyway. So their goal is always to get as much money out of the client as possible. Big mistake. That's why a lot of folks don't get repeat business. But I was able to get this thing done for 1100 bucks and i'm very i'm not it's not done yet but we're getting close to that process and then once we get to the finished product uh i think i want to try to sell or finance this i don't even want to try to um rent it out i want to try the seller finance approach and see if that is a little bit more passive
2: hmm. and all you got to do is deal with the money with somebody who's business minded already right
0: Right, and then you can charge way more money. So I can charge a hundred thousand dollars for this house, which is going to bring up the value in the neighborhood. This is why Black folks need their own bank, and then to become their own bank, because a lot of the values in the properties isn't because somebody walks in there and write a check. Most of the time, most of the time, it's because it was appraised at a certain number. Why? Because they just said it's worth that much money. Now the value in your communities increases just because somebody said so. Somebody said so, and so if we become the banks in our communities. Now we can say, hey, this is $100,000, $200,000, three hundred thousand dollars if you want to move into this community. Why? Because we said so. Right. It's all made up. They'd be making up money with their opinions. And so we got to increase yeah. the value of our communities with our opinions and with our words. And so that's the reason why.
2: It's funny you say you
0: that because... ...down on a payment basis.
2: I'm pretty sure Erica Williams has been saying that um, we need more black appraisers. Somebody uh, somebody says it all the time that we need more black people becoming appraisers. So we can stop complaining about well, it's far ago, No, not as far ago, but like all these appraisers that come into these houses owned by black people and, and saying it's worth half the value of a Caucasian person that owns the same exact house a couple of doors down. So that's exactly the kind of thing you're talking about. Just boosting the Boosting the value of a a place based on an opinion because that's all the appraiser is doing and they say like the wealth of a a white family is what 171,000 and most of it's home. home. Exactly. That's where the biggest difference comes.
0: Equity. They just made it up. They said it's worth this much money and boom, now we're rich. (laughs) (laughs) Now we're rich. Ta-da.
2: Right. Right. So... And the thing is, um, shout out to Mark. But the thing is, the thing is,
0: is like, if you ever, everybody, I forget the book that I read, but he states that everybody feels as though they're superior to you in some way. It was the book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. And so if you ask a white person or somebody outside of your community, if they're better than you, they're always going to say yes, Mm. because they just feel that way. So stop asking them. It's not just telling yourself what you believe. I believe I'm great. I believe I'm this. I believe I'm that. I don't care if you agree. I don't care if you co-sign it. I don't care if you tell me that. Because everybody has their own interest at heart. And so you can't even really even rock with it. SC comes on in an hour and a half versus Arizona State, and they have a good team. SC is my new, well, not my new team, but now that we actually have a, a decent squad, I can, I can root for them again. It's been a hard <laughs> few years as an SC fan, man.
2: Oh, I went off a
0: topic. I don't want us to lose that train of thought because I think it was very valuable.
2: Yeah, there's a lot to unpack there. Um, appraisals, equity—like that's the the biggest difference between black wealth and white wealth. Like, I mean, there's a lot of things going on there, but just in numbers—if you look at it, like 171,000 versus 17,000, it's basically a house. This is another reason why black people should stop with this. Um, Renting is better than owning narrative that we have locked on to. Doesn't necessarily service. Are Where, you at, Where you at, Raphael?
0: Where you at? Yeah.
2: I'm in De- I'm in Delaware.
0: What's in Delaware? My kids. Okay. Shout out to the kids, man. Shout yep, out to yep, that.
2: Yep.
0: How many you have so a lot of like kids, man? How many kids are in Delaware? <laughs> uh three. Three. How many kids you have in total? Four. Okay. All right.
2: You know, I'm thinking about it more. We're going to see. We'll see. This guy thinks I'm like NBA young boy over here. (laughs) Right. School just had his ninth baby. He's 22 years old. It's like, damn. Raphael young boy. (laughs) So, um, you mentioned um, buying a house when your son was born. I remember you talking about how a lot of people don't do this, at least. I don't see a lot of black people talking about this, but I've seen Brandon or whatever his name from from Bigger Pockets talk about this, buying a house for your child when they're born and designating that house and the rent and the rent from that house for that child to use for the future. So that yeah. by the time they're 18, the house is paid for, it's collecting rents, the college is paid for if they want to go to college and they have income already when they turn 18.
0: And I would say the big win is just having it paid off, man. Like we always focus on cash flow, passive income. But man, you buy a house when your child is born, and then when they're 18, 70% of the mortgage is paid off. Not only do they have equity, but they also have appreciation. You don't even got to worry about the cash flow. Keep the cash flow in the business. Real estate is a business which means mm-hmm. you need to make sure that that business is healthy and cashed up because like currency says, are you papered up to weather the storm and real estate's going to put you through some storms. But what I'm finding is a lot of times we do stuff for the right now money because folks right now broke. They don't talk about it. Everybody on the internet paid, but in real life, folks broke. All right. And so, we need to do stuff for the long term and stop focusing on the right now when we're looking at investing. And so, like, that's the real play. The real play is just happening. Like, I'll never forget, and I I don't tell a lot of people this because it's my secret, but I was listening to a bigger pockets podcast, and I got to get back to listening to bigger pockets. But they were talking about the number one, like, one way to become a millionaire in real estate is buy a million dollars worth of real estate and then let your tenants pay it off. Hmm oh million dollars you ain't got to sell no product you ain't got to do nothing but just exist and as long as that rent takes care of that mortgage you good knowing that of course over time you can increase the rent but we just we're so caught up in the right now the right now is keeping us broke
2: yeah man it's crazy um i went to a, a in person event a couple of days ago uh, in New York, and they had this guest speaker talking about venture capital, and uh, um, a black lady talking about venture capital in relation to um, black folks. And I was talking to the the owner of the it's like a club that put on the event. I was talking to him, and he he was telling me they were about to expand into Harlem, and they were about to build the building outright. And I was like. And this is kind of like it's kind of like a social club for black men, but it's kind of like a co-working social club and they almost like slash business in- incubator. You get together, talk about business, and like. And he said they were gonna buy the, the building outright. And I said, wow, that's cool. And I was saying back in the day, you know, a lot of these wealth books, the authors will say a big wealth act is to buy the building that your business is in. And you don't, you don't see people talk about that so much now and people's people's, I don't know what it is about nowadays that people want to stay in debt forever, never pay off the house, never pay off. Like, why? What's so wrong with paying it off and not having- That's
0: a trend. I never heard that trend. I thought everybody was trying to be debt free.
2: Man, you don't see people talk about, it's stupid to pay off.
0: I could see some people saying that though. I could definitely see that.
2: like they, they act like you should never pay off the house, like what? Or at least never pay it off early, but you know, it's crazy. But I think that's a big hack that you're doing that more people should think about. Though. You know,
0: what's what's interesting though, Raphael, is it took longer than I expected. I expected, buy the house, cash flow the house. And it's been a long time with no activity, with running around with the city, that, like just craziness, just craziness, just craziness. And I think that's another thought When it comes to this real estate stuff, too, or just business, any venture that you hop into is sometimes it's going to take longer. Sometimes it's going to take a while. And that's okay because the home still appreciated in value. The home is still there. It's not like it disappeared. It's not like it decreased in value like it was the stock market over the last eight months. Like we're still good. So it was just a smart place to put the money because, I mean, it could have been spent on a watch. It could have been spent on something mm-hmm. ignorant, and so it's 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 just interesting. One thing I've been noticing, you guys, is watch prices are going down in, in value, like I said, they would, uh, which is creating some opportunities for those who've been waiting to buy a watch. And those watch prices were just nuts. Y'all seen the prices of Pateks and APs? Just nuts. Stainless steel watches, nuts. Prices coming down, y'all. It's a that's funny because that's
2: that's the that's the tweet I was originally going to start with. He said uh, Daytona prices are coming down.
0: Yeah, I wish so I could he, find the price of the Panda Daytona, but I think it was up there near like 50K. It was like 45 dollars $50,000 for that watch, which retails at maybe $15,000. It probably retails at like maybe $15,000. I want to find out. And so the way Rolexes work is they only produce a limited quantity. So if you can't get them from your AD, then you have to buy it in the secondary market. And so what happens is people buy these watches from the AD, the authorized dealer, and then they sell it at a markup because you can't even get them. And they sell them at a heavy markup, a heavy markup because they got to make their money. And so it can be frustrating because if you look at the market price of some of these watches and then you go to like the Rolex uh, website, you look at the price of these watches. It's like that's all they want. Like a Hulk Mm -hmm. Submariner was like 10K. I think a Submariner is like 10K. But a Hulk's Mariner in the open market is like 20K, 22K, because it's discontinued. So when watches get discontinued, the prices go up as well. Usually they discontinue the watches with the green face. So green face Rolexes are highly coveted, um, especially if it's gold. So, like, there's a gold face, green, there's a there's a gold green face Daytona. It's called the John Mayer. It's probably like $150,000, if not more. But Rolex, you can buy it for maybe $30,000. And so, um, yeah, it's just, it's an interesting dynamic, but you don't want to overpay for anything. You always got to understand what the true market value of anything is, whether it's a used car. Used cars right now are selling like crazy for overpriced. And so what'll happen is you'll buy that how, that car overpriced. And then when it goes down in value, now you're upside down. Um, you're thinking that prices are only going to continue to go up. That's not going to happen. Um, people are buying watches, trying to flip watches. And now those watches have gone down in value. And now they Hopefully they like that watch a lot because they lost a good amount of money. (laughs) Value recently, um, but yeah, so it's like it's just interesting, interesting things going on.
2: Yeah, I saw somebody was talking about the The Submariner,
0: a a blackface green bezel Submariner, which is called the Kermit or a Starbucks. Very expensive watch in the open market. You go to Rolex it's ten thousand six hundred dollars. Let me see how much this Mm. GMT costs see how much the, the, the daytona costs it's even on here oh, they got the daytona on here let me see let me see let me see they don't have any stainless steel daytonas oh here here it is this is the one i was talking about 14,005 this thing is probably on the internet for like 25 so but you can't buy it at the ad that's the hard part
2: mm. i see um Somebody was talking about how the G-Wag are dropping in price, too, or coming that back too. down to the original price.
0: Like if you see a car that normally retails for one hundred thousand dollars retailing for three hundred thousand dollars, you know, something's out of whack. You got to understand the value of everything. When these homes were being bought for one hundred and fifty thousand dollars over asking price, all cash, you knew something was out of whack. When people mm. can't afford something. The market has to come down to what it can afford. Otherwise, they have no, pr- no customers. It's called supply and demand. If the demand can't meet that price, it has to come down. If you have high supply, high supply, low demand, the price got to come down. Low supply, high demand, the price goes up. We have in a situation Mm -hmm. now where now there's more supply on the market because they're manufacturing these things right now. They couldn't make these watches because plants were shut down. They couldn't make these cars because plants are shut down. And then ship shortages and all these other reasons that kind of drive scarcity and drive prices up. But the market has to kind of return to normal. And that's even what we're seeing in the stock market. The stock market was heavily overvalued. So people are saying, oh, it's a bloodbath. It's bad out there. But the market was overvalued. And how do I determine that value? I determine it by... The pre-COVID levels, where was the stock market trading pre-COVID? I talk about this all the time. Pre-COVID levels and it plummeted and then it went down heavily like 50% and then it ran back up to pre-COVID levels and it kept going. It just kept mm-hmm. running. And now what is it doing? That's to correct back down to the true value because numbers matter. Numbers matter. Values matter. Profits matter. Supply and demand matter. You can't just make stuff up all the time. Like they be making up these home values.
2: But it's like you said in a tweet, everyone is trying to rob you. Everyone's trying to take what you had. You gotta, you gotta, to you gotta always yourself. be
0: on guard, y'all. Always be on guard.
2: Yo, it's the Options Trading Workshop
1: presented by Tide Capital. Learn the fundamentals and advanced trading strategies that allow us the chance to earn $20,000 inside money in one year while working the job and running multiple businesses. That's right. Learn the what, the where, and the how of options trading in this exclusive webinar. To find out more details, hit us up on the link in the bio on Instagram at partner with Millie or on Instagram at Todd.capital. Or just head over to gumroad.com forward slash Todd Capital. I was uh I was watching the Instagram live, and
0: uh it was somebody that we've had in this podcast before, and she was just going in on coaches. She was like, oh, coaches are are scammers, coaches or blah, blah, blah. She was calling folks out by name. She was hating on like people on the timeline who were doing really well, but her main beef was the fact that somebody had taken her product and resold it and became bigger than her. And mm. I listened to it and I was like, I think your statement is valid. I didn't reach out to her yet. I'm going to this week because
2: okay.
0: it's unfortunate, but like, I wasn't the only person that got robbed in, during COVID. Like a lot of folks were just taking other people's ideas. Even the groups that spun off of my groups, we came off of people who were just taking other people's ideas. Everybody wanted to compete instead of collaborate, and so I wanted to tell her that, like, I don't know why it's just the nature of the way things are, but like people are always looking for their come up through you because they can't pay their bills off of your success, and so they're trying to pay their bills. So they gotta bite a piece of your success to pay their bills. They're gonna do it. Unfortunately, I don't I don't like that. That is the culture. I wish that we were more of a a a business or where we did complementary culture as opposed to competitive culture where we complement what each other are doing as opposed to competing with what each other are doing, but that's just where we are. And so I don't want her to take it personal and have this personal vendetta and going after people and attacking them because it's not worth it. Mm-hmm. Like your responsibility is to create the new thing. Your responsibility is to level up and grow, to keep your foot on their neck and go to the next level. And a lot of us are even here because that happened to us at a prior level. I was walking through my neighborhood and I was like, I'm an entrepreneur because folks don't rock with me. Mm. They find like in the workplace, I found that I wasn't getting the opportunities that I deserve. So I had to create the opportunities I deserve. I had to build opportunities I deserve because I know I'm dope. They just think I'm just some dude. They don't realize that I am like one of one in my family because I did everything right. I did everything right. I went to college. I graduated from college. All the whole gamut. Got a good job. Got the securities licenses. Went back to college. Like, I don't have any other families that have done that. But you walk into the, the workplace and they treat you like you just average Joe. And I know I was an average Joe. Mm-hmm. And so I had to build something to prove that I was not average Joe. And so we all have a chip on our shoulder. We always talk about the triple package. My part of the triple package was knowing that I was dope. I knew I was dope. I just had to prove it. And then my other part of the triple package was having to prove that I'm dope. I had a chip on my shoulder. I had to prove it. Why did I have that chip? Because they weren't treating me how I wanted to be treated. I wasn't getting promoted. I wasn't getting paid what I want to get paid. I wasn't getting all, all these different things. And right. then you also have to have impulse control. And so I would just say that that's kind of what I want to convey to her. But knowing that people aren't against you, they're just for themselves. People aren't themselves. trying to rob you. They're just trying to better their circumstances. They're just trying to better their circumstances. And so what you got to do is you got to protect what you build and you got to be very intelligent throughout the building process. So you got to say, okay, I got to make sure that what happened to me before doesn't happen to me now. So I've built groups that people tried to kind of take over. And so now I'm very conscious of people trying to take over my groups. I'll, I'll, I'll push you out. I'll make sure that I show up so that I can have a group where somebody else has become the face of my group. So therefore they can go create their own group. And so that's what I'm doing. Um, You just got to do it better, do it more intelligently and understand that life is long. We're very young. I walk around my neighborhood. Mm -hmm. I'm very young. Like, ain't no, I'm not only me in my neighborhood. I don't see no (laughs) black dude in his thirties in my neighborhood. They're all in their forties and
2: not black. So, um, yeah, those are my thoughts. That's kind of like you said, even even if you even if they aren't robbing you, it's still your responsibility to create a new thing. They say if it ain't broke, don't fix it. But if it ain't broke, you still gotta fix it anyway. You still gotta keep you still gotta break it before somebody else comes along and breaks it for you, man. You still gotta be bar. innovative. Still yep. gotta be innovative, man.
0: You gotta out innovate, you gotta put yourself out of business.
2: Right. Put yourself out of business.
0: Most people don't do that. Most people, what they do is they let some stranger put them out of business or worse, they let somebody who wanted to collaborate with them put them out of business.
2: <laughs> but yeah, if, if you look back at certain people like, um, you know, it's kind of escaping me but like like Cornelius Vanderbilt, if you go way back, like he was in one uh, line of business. He, was, he took over the steamboat industry that's transporting goods. He made crazy money doing that. And then all of a sudden he decided, you know what? Railroad is the next thing. I'm jumping into railroads and everybody thought he was crazy. Like, bro, you already got it made with the steamboats, but he saw the future. Like, he put himself out of business before somebody else did. Because he it's saw the future, of, man. kind of like Elon
0: Musk is doing, man. He, he going to Musk, space. <laughs> he'll never stop innovating. Elon Musk is such a dope person because he looks at the world. And it says, why can't I create that? A lot of people look at the world and they say, somebody should create that. Somebody should fix that. Somebody should build something to solve that problem. He's like, all right, I'm going I'm to build it. But what's interesting is, and this is why it's important for us to understand the concept of innovation, is it's not your responsibility to be the engineer, to be the space scientist, the rocket scientist, to be all these different things. It's your responsibility to find them and pull them in. The reason why the Tesla mm. looks so great is because he went and he got somebody from Aston Martin to design the Tesla vehicles. And so now they all look amazing. And so you spot it and then you start putting the piece together. You spot it and you start, that's what a startup is. The start, like Mark Zuckerberg is probably not the best coder at Facebook. He probably never was the best coder at Facebook. Steve Jobs wasn't the best designer at Apple. He just had the vision. Right. I heard I a story about jobs where he had this vision to create something. Maybe it was the phone without buttons. And they came back to him and they said, we can't create a phone without buttons. It's impossible. He said, figure it out. And <laughs> right. he sent them back and they figured it out. He didn't sit there and figure it out. He figured it out. It's your responsibility to have the vision to know that it's possible and start putting all the things in place to make it possible.
2: Yep. That's like... Uh I forget if it was Henry Ford or who, one of those car manufacturers, he told the engineers to put six cylinders on the car. They said, no, that can't be done. He's like, figure it out, man. (laughs) I already said it. I already made the promise to the market. Figure out how how it's impossible. Well, figure out how it can be done. Like Jay-Z said, "Uh, difficult takes a day, impossible takes a week. I do this in my sleep. <laughs> you said expecting people to not screw you will get you screwed. Keep that in mind. Now, I want
0: to ask Man, you about this I was, tweet. I was, uh, hmm? I was. Um. So the plumber went to go get the tools at Home Depot, and they and they and they were getting some stuff for a bathroom. And Home Depot, Home Depot calls me, and they're like, "Your total's five hundred and eighty bucks." I was like, "Why is my total five hundred and eighty bucks?" I was like, "Send me the." They're supposed to send you a text. The text gives I you like nice. itemized nice. thing. And then you look at it and you see what they're trying to buy with your money. And I saw some stuff on there that I was just kind of in the middle of something. So I didn't make a big deal about that. I was looking for tools. They like to put tools on my home Depot pro account. And so like one time he put a saw on there and he probably didn't leave the saw at the house. He needs to put my saw back at the house because I bought that saw as my house as my saw now. And so I <laughs> saw this, uh, I saw a few different things, but what I was looking for was tools. And I found this $200 item. It was like some stupid thing, 200 bucks. And I told Home Depot, I was like, take that off. I'm not paying for that. But even still, I think 340 bucks was still too much materials for that bathroom. I didn't get a chance to really, really dig. I was just looking for the obvious stuff. But you you have to protect your interests because people will take advantage of you and they won't care because they're just looking for their come up. They would try to, they, like, in my opinion, that's stealing. If you mm-hmm. go and try to get me to buy something, knowing that it's just going to go to something else, and you think they're just going to be like, oh, 580 bucks, go ahead and pay it. No, put that back. And so you, like, as an entrepreneur, there is no stopgap. There is nobody else looking out for your best interest at all. You know, when you work a job, you got a manager and you got a CEO and all these people that are out there looking to make sure. You wait. So, you got to always be on guard. It's like Grant Cardone said he said, Only the paranoid survive.
2: Mm. Paranoid survive. Gotta watch your bottom line, man. It's kind of like,
1: yeah, Grant Cardone's
2: the first person to bring up about that. He's all about watching the top line, bottom line, bringing as much money as possible, but you still got to keep an eye on the bottom line. He talks about how sometimes he'll get updates on the financials every 15 minutes, which is crazy. But yeah, this tweet, like I wanted to ask you about, it's kind of obvious what you're saying, but I want to know what made you say it. You said owning a bunch of doors is sexy and all, but a solid two can get you right.
1: Yeah,
2: that's yeah I, obvious, was just,
0: but. I was just thinking about how sometimes you can kind of make less money trying to do too much, and it's a lot easier to manage. And make sure that certain properties are in good shape if you just got a few of them. But a few of those properties are going to generate enough income to give you some cushion. And sometimes all we need is some cushion. A lot of us are looking for that big payoff when you just need some some breathing room. Like when you move home with your parents, you ain't rich, but you got some breathing room. And then you know what you can do with that breathing room? You can start stacking and you can start paying off credit cards. And you can get your credit where it needs to be. And then you can start looking at a house. And so if you just had some breathing room, if you had two or or three doors just kicking off a few extra hundred bucks a month and you didn't have obligations attached to it, you could do a lot, especially when it comes to children, especially when you already have other layers of income there. So it's like if I have dividend income, an extra $2,000 a month could go a long way. An extra extra $2,000 a month is good bread. I just work very, very hard to make less to make it less commuting being up all hours in the night arguing with folks in the hood like people do a lot more for less money but for some reason when you throw that passive income label on it they get lazy and they don't want to do nothing they don't answer no phone calls they don't want to pick up a hammer they don't want to lay no nothing they just want to passive i'm passive and so that's just (laughs) what i was thinking
2: I got you I thought maybe it was this other tweet where you said if a home is vacant these motherfuckers in Detroit are breaking in
0: it's unfortunate man I mean part of me is happy because we were smart enough to not put anything in there but another part of me is upset because whenever they break in they damage things so they broke in through the side window but the way they did it was they ripped the screen up They pushed open the window and then there was bars protecting this this window and they like broke the bars out. All that for nothing. They didn't even get anything. All they did was just destroy somebody's property for nothing. And it's so conflicting because it's like you want to be for the community, but then you realize like to a certain extent you can't be. It's like a big thing I'm trying to reconcile in my life is being able to be for my people without being used up and taken advantage of by my people and being eaten by my people. It's like, how do you do both? How do you help people without getting robbed or getting taken advantage of or getting threatened? We had a situation where the painters did very subpar work and then wanted really, really big pay. And when I told them I wasn't going to pay it, they wanted to show up at the house talking about blowing it up and shooting people. In real life, (laughs) two weeks ago, And I was like, that's amazing to me that people would take it to that point. And so it, it kind of turns you off from really laying your life out for people when they love you and they hate you. They can go from loving you to hating you. They can go from saying great things about you to slandering your name on the timeline. The person who was on Instagram live talking bad about people was at one point in time saying the best thing ever. Partnering, went up on on different ventures, sharing their stuff, going live with them, promoting them, creating content with them, and now they're
2: everything bad. They were besties. Yeah. I couldn't see. I can. I couldn't go on social media without seeing them together. Right, everywhere, even in the email, e- email inbox, in they the were sending out emails together, talk, promoting each other in emails. I'm getting emails from. Three different people talking about the same thing, talking about each other, and to see how that turn was crazy—I couldn't believe it.
0: I kind of expected it because I saw how their relationship ended with other people, and people people tend to do the same thing over and over again, especially if they don't think anything's wrong with them. If they think that they were they didn't do nothing wrong, you know what they're going to do? Go into the next situation and burn that shit down too. (laughs) because nobody ever hold them accountable nobody ever told them hey fix you if you fix you you'll be good I'm in a men's group and I'm always telling them if you want your marriage to improve fix you you can come here and complain about your wife all you want but the way to make your wife change is for you to change and then once you make those changes, mm-hmm. she will make those changes and become the woman that you wanted to be. I don't know why it works. I just know that it works. But what a lot of people do is and what I did in the beginning of my marriage was point. It's her. It's her. It's her. It's her. It's her. And then what will happen is you'll find people that will support that statement. You'll find people that will say, yeah, it is her. Yeah, she's this. Yeah, mm-hmm. she's that. And I realized that even though I was getting support, still nothing was changing. And so I had this revelation one day and I was like, you know what? Me trying to change her is not working. Let me see if I change. Let's see what she'll do. And magically, some great things happen. And magically, the people that I've told that to who have implemented it, great things have happened for them. And so now there's a new guy in the group and I told him the exact same thing. And I told him, you can't expect it to happen overnight because sometimes what women will do is if they just think you're just doing it temporarily, they'll dismiss it. But when they realize you're making a permanent change, they have to change. People can't interact with you the same way that they interact with you if you're different. If I'm saying Mm. 222 and you're saying 222, it's always going to be four. But if I'm saying 333 and you're saying 222, now it's five. But if I'm saying 333 and now you move to 333, now we're saying six, and so even if they don't change, the situation still changes. They don't got to change. You can change the situation just by you changing. And that's it.
2: Hmm. Yeah, that's, that's crazy because that works at work or in business. Same thing. Like, you're not getting the results. I saw I saw a long time ago somebody said um, real communication is organic results. Like, if you're not getting the results that you want that you're really not communicating. So it's like, if you got work or you got uh, um, in business, people aren't doing the things you want them to do, you gotta ask yourself like, either what am I doing wrong? Or you just say like, what can I change to make things happen the way I want them to Maybe I'm not being clear with my instructions. Maybe I should change my approach. Then when you, you change, all of a sudden, you find the other person changes supposedly because you just change your approach. I mean, and that's all it is to it sometimes. And you can't, you, you. Here's the thing: you can't get caught up in your ego. Like, I, well, I don't want to be the one who want who's, makes the change, because I think that's a big problem for everybody. Nobody I, wants I will, to be the one to change. I
0: will say though, sometimes you gotta distance yourself from people. But I don't think it's good to have ill will inside of you. I don't think it's good to think bad about other people you got to, like they say, forgiveness is for you. It's not for them. Mm -hmm. You can't change them and you don't want to harbor that, that resentment inside of you. And so you got to forgive them and move on. I don't hate you. I don't dislike you, but I'm moving different now. If we're running a business and I'm putting all the effort and energy into it, I don't dislike you, but I can't do business with you. If you're expecting it to be 50, 50 and you're putting in zero percent. We can adjust the terms if you're comfortable with that. And we should. If somebody becomes bigger, and this is what a lot of rap labels don't do, right? As the artist grows, they don't adjust their percentages. And so then what happens is the artist goes off and does his own thing. As the Mm -hmm. artist grows, they need to renegotiate that contract and make them a bigger portion of that business. That's what intelligent business people do. That's why you have law firms and investment firms that make people partners, they're saying, hey, you've proven that you're of value to this organization, but we don't want you to go off and do your own thing. We want to keep you here. We're going to pay you very well, and we're going to give you a split of the profits. A lot of rap art, like no rap artists do that. That's why every artist has their own label, because people want to still keep you in that right. sun role. People want to still keep you in that employee role. They want to keep you where they found you, even if you're not the same as when they found
2: you. And that's why a lot of these labels, they got to keep finding new no talent always because yep. nobody stays. Like. Who who's on the bad boy? Who's on Bad Boy Records? I didn't want to call names, but who's on Bad Boy Records? It's always a revolving door. I know they still exist.
0: Just as kids for now, but they're gonna be out soon. (laughs)
2: Even as kids, nobody's made more two albums.
0: To certain extent, we also have to start having loyalty to the people that put us on. And a lot of times, what also happens is somebody will put somebody on. And then they'll start filling themselves and then they'll say, I'm this and I'm that. I'm out. And so it's like there's two sides to the coin. And if we can have intelligent conversations about these things, maybe we can grow a massive mega label like Universal or Columbia or something like that. Instead of all these little baby labels that don't nobody know about. And then what they do is they go and they get a bunch of talent that don't nobody know about. You see J. Cole, like, J. Cole has his own label. Ain't nobody know about them rappers. I don't know. I don't even listen to that crap. I never listened to that crap.
2: I didn't know he had his Big own Big Sean
0: went off and did his own thing. Big Sean left Kanye. Kanye put him on. He was begging Kanye for an opportunity at one point in time. And now he's talking crazy about Kanye. Yeah, it
2: happens. It happens. Although, one thing, one last thing, like, I don't understand why record labels don't just give them fair percentages from the jump. Like, if it's based on percentages, just give it to them. Give them the percentage, and they won't make money unless they sell. And they're good. Like, give them a fair percentage, and they won't leave. Yeah. Some of the things. I think
0: it's greed. Also, a lot of it is greed. And, and then, you know what? Also. Uh-huh. And then people start thinking like, "I built this." brick by brick
2: you know another part uh, part of it though and me and Brandy talk about this sometimes is that the record label will come back and say well when, when people say well, like, man you give them a messed up contract it's always terrible when they come back and say well that's the standard they don't say no it wasn't as messed up they answer mm-hmm. is, well that's the standard and brandy always talks about what she doesn't like is like when people say well the, these other folks been doing it for decades like, why are y'all coming at me? Yeah. Like, yeah, I get what you're saying, but that doesn't make it right for you to screw people over. Just because they're doing it wrong, doesn't make it okay for us to do it wrong, especially to each other. Right. I think that's and part of the reason justify. why people
0: why contractors be robbing folks. Because they're like, they do it do.
2: Right. Yeah. We don't want to hear that no more. There's no justification for robbing people. Now You were talking before about how you were saying um, your boss doesn't own your skills. And somebody was talking about, well, if you're on salary and you're on the uh, non-compete and this and that, you were like, people on the internet will find the exception to the rule there's a reward for being a detractor. Why do you think people jump up and always ready to say some stuff like that?
0: I found that most people only really make comments when they're disagreeing with you. I think it makes them feel important. It makes them feel smart. Like, oh, I'm smart. I found this. Exception to the rule. Like, uh, Lil Duvall posted something about how he doesn't see a lot of rich men getting married. Typically, what happens is if they are married, they're married to the woman that they met before they got rich. And he gave a long Mm -hmm. list of examples. And then people found some examples that didn't apply. And I was like, you just missed the whole gem of the tweet. Because you wanted to, like, I don't know, be a detractor, which doesn't make sense to me. Um, I don't understand how people do it. I think it just makes them feel smart. I don't
2: know, man. People just come up with, like, the smallest, most unlikely thing that could possibly happen just to be a contrarian. I feel like it's a sickness in reality. Hmm. I don't know what's going on, with people. I don't know what's going on. Like... I don't, another thing I hate, too, is when you say something, you ask people a question. Yeah, well, what about this? What about you? Rob? What about this? And like, how about you answer the first question before you point fingers?
0: Yeah, I I don't like when people do that either. When people like you'll make a valid point and they'll say, like, not all. <laughs> it's like, come on, fam. We know it's not all. But you just like. Didn't even, I don't know. I don't know. Maybe people do it also to dodge accountability. That plays a part, but it is yeah, what it is. What it people is. are people. It's getting late, man.
2: Yep. Yeah. And that was the last tweet, brother. Be sure to get, get yourself a ticket to the um, Tide Capital Virtual Business Conference. Take your site hustle and make it into a real business. 10x that thing, baby. Uh, the link will be in the chat, in the show notes, all that kind of stuff. It's in the bio. Get your tickets now, October 22nd. Be sure to follow us on Twitter at TweetTalkPod, that's P-O-D. Follow myself on Twitter at Work Money Life. Follow Charles on Twitter at Real billion because there's only one. Follow us on Instagram at Tweet Talk podcast and at Todd.Capital and at Real Todd Billion. Follow us on TikTok. At Capital, and at, ta- at tweet talk, P O D. For sure. For episode 141 of Tweet Talk, the Black Podcast, we have myself, Raphael, and Charles Oglesby, the third JD, a.k.a. Tom Millionaire. We are out of here.
0: I thought you were going to leave him with one last tweet.
2: I was going to, but I think it's the last tweet that it might be the same one we had last week. I know there was one that we were supposed to touch on, but I forget what it was, but I'll leave you guys with this one. It might be a repeated last one, but I'll leave you with this one, guys. Stay focused on your growth, not on debating people who choose not to grow.